When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's July 15, 1980, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. As a concept, Billy Carter sounds more like a Simpsons joke than a real person. A cartoonish, <laughs> beer-guzzling redneck, constantly embarrassing his straight-laced brother, President Jimmy Carter. But it was on this day that the joke became a serious headache for the White House when Billy registered as a foreign agent, acknowledging that he had been acting on behalf of the Gaddafi regime. Not that he wanted to register as a foreign agent, actually, but he had been pressured and advised from both within the White House and without that he should probably do this. Because what he'd been doing was taking these uh, cash payments, which he described as loans. The first was $20,000 and the second was $200,000 from the Libyans and the Justice Department had clocked it and their lawyers were ready to swoop in and do something about it. But just before they did, uh, Billy called up and was like, hello, um, I'd like to register as a foreign agent, please. Which made some people think that he had probably been tipped off somehow, possibly from within the White House. Who would he know that would tip him off? <laughs> in Washington. And anyone who did that would have been prosecuted, so it's impossible that it that came from within the White then. House. Sorry, <laughs> give my cynicism. Yeah. It's really bizarre as well to imagine Gaddafi and Billy Carter in the same room. Uh, Gaddafi later <laughs> said they never had met, but Billy Carter was flown out to Libya for these talks where he was given this money. Sorry, loaned this money. <laughs> this no-strings-attached loan. Um, <laughs> because they were such different people, Billy Carter. He was a proud, self-proclaimed redneck. He published a book whilst President Carter was president called Redneck Power, The Wit and Wisdom of Billy Carter. He sold beer under his own brand, Billy Beer, and the slogan of the beer was, it's the best beer I've ever tasted and I've tasted a lot. So <laughs> he really, like, lent into his image, which was very different to that of Libya <laughs> mm -hmm. at the time, which was seen by the United States as a, a terrorist state, or at least a state that funded terrorism. But to be fair to Billy Carter... Like, he lived in this small town in Georgia, his brother had become president, and he was kind of actively barred from carrying on the family peanut business. You'll remember this, when Trump became president, they had to change who ran the company technically, because there were rules around this. And so the family business had gone into a blind trust, and so his job became celebrity brother of the president. He offered to buy Jimmy Carter out of the whole business, which would have enabled him to run it independently. But Jimmy didn't want to do that for whatever reason. And it seemed like Billy took that quite badly and sort of took it in the spirit of, well, in that case, the only way I'm going to make money is to go on the celebrity circuit. Even though he did own and operate a petrol station, that was his day job. And so, I mean, he, what happened was that he would hang out on his forecourt, essentially. Reporters would come there where he was just really happy to hang around, basking in the attention, obviously drinking, freely offering up his thoughts, which generally playing the part of the laid-back, beer-swilling, good old boy. And obviously, that was great tabloid fodder. I mean, you mentioned that he published a book of his wit and wisdom. I have to say, I was looking through some of his quotes, and I was like, I'm not seeing that much wit and wisdom. Here's one for you. He said... 
paintings are like a beer, only beer tastes good and it's hard to stop drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to stop drinking paintings, I've always found. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so gaff-prone as well, it was amazing. You mentioned that the campaign slogan for Billy Beer was that it was the best beer he'd ever drunk. In classic Billy fashion, he told reporters that he actually didn't really like Billy Beer that much and he actually drank Pab's Blue Ribbon. <laughs> well, meanwhile, it's important to think about what Libya wanted out of this because the US had been much more friendly with King Idris, who was the uh, comparatively pro-Western uh, leader of Libya that Gaddafi overthrew. And so Gaddafi himself had then became this massively outspoken critic of Israel and was also in a spat with Egyptian President Anwar Sadat, who was himself trying to negotiate peace with President Carter and the Israeli President Menachem Begin. But basically Libya was still trading oil with the US because the US never totally switches off that tap <laughs> regardless of what regime is in, t- in charge. But they wanted to restore additional trade and so they they looked around and they were like, okay, so who's close to the regime who we can talk to and guess who they found? <laughs> They're like, we want to sell more crude oil. Now, who would be better than a Georgia petrol station owner? He must right. know plenty about oil. Also, yeah. who's someone who's relatively naive about the Middle East, naive enough that we can bend his ear? Although on that political point, I mean, if Billy Carter had been a politician, you might have realised that he had value, mm. actually, politically to President Carter by being a redneck who, who could appeal to people that, that President Carter was a bit uptight to reach. Yeah, at this point, before the Libya scandal came out, what he was best known for was, and this is quoting the LA Times, appearances at state fairs, peanut Olympics, swamp buggy races and belly flop contests. <laughs> My favourite Jimmy Carter quote about Billy, actually, was when he said, I wish Billy would have gone along with my plan to involve him in the government... That's the setup. Get ready for the punchline. I was going to reorganise and put the FBI and the CIA together, but Billy said he didn't want to join any agency he couldn't spell. (laughs) It's good. It's not bad. It reminds me a little bit of when we were discussing Oliver Reed, actually, in our episode about Gladiator, in the sense that it had become a bit of a performance and a bit of what people had expected from him and was predicated on severe alcoholism. I mean, Mm. let's not minimise that point. By the time he died, he had quit the bottle, but at his height... He was drinking half a gallon of vodka a day, and the only thing he could hold in his stomach was buttermilk. So you're talking about a really serious alcoholic. What Um, a horrible, horrible image is that? (laughs) You know, that was not part of the public profile, but that was what was underneath. And at his nadir, I think the problem was that he didn't know quite what to do with himself or where to turn. There was a moment where he described the Libyans as, quote, some of the best friends I have in the world. And you can imagine this guy who was being courted by this regime because he was going to be useful for them, thinking that this equated to a kind of friendship that maybe he wasn't finding in other quarters. Eventually, Billy had to testify before a Senate Judiciary Committee about what he was doing when he was taking this money from Libyans. And he said, I hope that this testimony will show in a common sense fashion that Billy Carter is not a buffoon, a boob or a wacko as some public figures have so discredited him. And I was thinking, anytime you find yourself trying to (laughs) insist that you're not a boob to an official government (laughs) committee, (laughs) referring to yourself in the third person, I think you're almost certainly a boob. And for Gaddafi, this was was a PR win. The fact that President Carter had to do a national telecast to make a statement about how Billy's dealings hadn't influenced the way the US was dealing with Iran over some hostages that they had, which was the number one priority at the time, was 
hilarious to people watching in Libya. Like, they had yeah. already influenced the way America was going. And they had influenced the discussion on Israel as well. Not in a way that ultimately would sway the position. But, you know, uh, Billy Carter was asked about his position in the Middle East, a question that wouldn't have occurred to reporters otherwise, to which he responded, there's a hell of a lot more Arabians than there is Jews. Yeah, and he later said, I didn't mean that in an anti-Semitic way. And I'm like, how else do you read that one, actually? (laughs) Yeah, and he also attracted negative comment for suggesting that the reason that Libya had such a bad image in the United States was not as a result of the Gaddafi regime or as a sponsor of terrorism, but because of the Jewish media. So I'm, again, quite Mm. difficult to work out how to interpret (laughs) that in a non-anti-Semitic way. Well, the Carter administration did eventually find a purpose, they hoped, for this relationship that he had been building with the Libyans when the Iran hostage crisis began. And people within the Carter administration were like, well, let's talk to Billy. He can talk to his mates over in Libya and maybe the Libyans will have some sway over the Iranians. But A... Gaddafi didn't have a massively good relationship with the Ayatollah Khomeini at the time. And also, very shortly afterwards, a Libyan mob, who seemed to have been inspired by Iran, then sacked the US embassy in Tripoli, which pretty much put paid to the idea that the Libyans were going to be good allies. Actually, around the same time that he was under investigation from the FBI and from a Senate committee, Billy actually entered rehab for eight weeks. He got sober for good during this period. I think quite possibly this was a wake-up call. But ultimately, the investigation found no evidence that any illegal actions had taken place, although the $220,000 loan he had received was deemed to be compensation for the services he had rendered, which meant he had to pay tax on them, and that ended up clearing him out. He was forced to sell his home and his famous gas station. But he didn't stop trying to profit off the back of this moment in the sun. I mean, this kind of made his name... Um, There is an ice cream advert from a few years later featuring Billy Carter after President Carter had left office because he was a one-term president in which the theme is people say that I was taking the money from the Libyans as a bribe but I won't, they wanted my advice and take my advice now, eat this ice cream that was (laughs) genuinely an advert that existed which I think is probably the lowest I mean I know that, you know Talking to Libya was seen as a low blow, but at least there could have been a Machiavellian strategy there. Selling ice cream off the back of being found out for doing it is is really the low, I think. You feel like those advertising execs could have done slightly better. It's not the most like complex and well thought through of slogans. Yeah, Because if you take that advice and then buy the ice cream... You end up losing the subsequent presidential election in 1980. <laughs> next time. But only you could see what you were doing when your hand was inside and you'd pick out the candidate that you chose. Are you describing a glory hole? Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.